I got something I felt like the Lord wanted to do this morning. I am going to, I'm transitioning. The transition is always the part where you're just like, what? So Mary, Mary found that out. You know, we are, I don't want to be one of these pastors that don't address the days that we live in. And I don't want to address the times that we live in and the political atmosphere that we live in. I don't want to be that guy. I, th- I think that's not being a true shepherd when we don't address the days that we're living in. When we can't address political issues, I'm wondering, like, what? Why Why not? Didn't Jesus do that? I mean, aren't we to speak the truth in love? And who has the truth more than the church? And so I'm not going to shy away from speaking about politics and different things because it's only been in the last maybe 60 years that that's become, really since Andrew Johnson, really, that that's become frowned upon. Um, matter of fact, the whole Revolutionary War was the, the direct result of the Great Awakening, which was preachers in their pulpits speaking out the, the Christian truths and how it affected people in the times that they live in. And what's going on in the world, if you turn on the news at all, depending on what news source you watch, you're going to be getting two different stories, okay? And the atmosphere in our, in our country is toxic right now. The environment is toxic. The... Um, the different uh, the debate that is out there right now is toxic we are in a a a war of ideas we're in a war like we've never been before in our country at least certainly not since i've been alive and i think it's arguable that we've never been in this type of place uh i've heard some people think that previous uh days far gone like during the revolutionary war and the civil war maybe the civil war that things were quite that bad but i don't think they were i don't think we've ever been in this place that we're in and i don't we're in a global struggle because there is a there is a spiritual darkness over our country but it's not just over our country it's over the whole world and the blind don't see it or even worse they think those who are fighting for truth and righteousness and biblical principles are actually deceived. And it's, you know, we're, we live in crazy days. But um, what I want to share about is how not to give the enemy a, f- a foothold in your life during these times. Okay? And w- the truths that I'm going to share today are true no matter what season you've been living in. They're true. They're just true. And we need to hold on to these truths. I want to talk about some Christianity 101 stuff. But it's so important in light of the environment that we're in because one of the things that Jesus said, he said when he began to talk about the last days in Matthew 24, it said because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. How many can see the lawlessness going on right now? Okay. In Democrat-run cities right now, all over the nation, you have lawlessness not only being allowed but actually encouraged we've i don't this is absolutely crazy the lawlessness that's going on but you know what the effect of it is people's hearts are growing cold because of it i've noticed that in my own heart and it scares me there's a there's a coldness that is a direct result of the lawlessness that's being released in the earth and, um, and, of course, we know there's a ditch on either side of the path of life. You got the legalism, and then you got the lawless, and you know they're the same tree. They really are. That's the Pharisees. They were mo- the most lawless, but they were also the most legalistic, you know? 
And so we don't want to fall into either, either one of those traps, but I want to talk to you about surviving the times. And when I'm saying surviving the times, I'm not necessarily going to address today the physical aspects of things that we have to do. I want to talk about how to keep this clean on the inside while we're going through this toxic time. Does that sound good? Because if you don't keep this clean and you're in this warfare, you'll find out that you've been taken, you're going to, get, you're going to become a casualty and you'll be taken captive. Uh, one of the things in the final quest, and if you've not read that book, you need to read it. You really do. It, I don't think, I think it's more key today and more important today than it's ever been. And I read it 20 something years ago and it changed my life. But today it's even more clear. But one of the things that would happen was in this book, Christians would get wounded. And when they would get wounded, the enemy would go come in and take them captive as soon as they get wounded. They would get wounded and the anger and the bitterness and would begin to fester and they would throw down their weapons and, a, and the enemies would come and take them off and they wouldn't even resist it. And a lot of the stuff that the enemy began to do to these wounded believers, they actually began to think it was the Holy Spirit. Like the enemy defecating on them, vomiting on them. And, uh, and they would think that this was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of believers out there that are spewing some incredible false yuck, yuck stuff, and they think it's God. We are in a deceived time like never before, and the Bible's very clear about that. It talks about in the last days, the number one telltale sign that you're in the last days is deception. Jesus said, do not be deceived. Deception is a telltale sign of the days. You study it out, Matthew 24. Deception is one of the main things that comes upon people. And I want to tell you, one of the ways that you can keep from being deceived is stay healed. When you're healed, when you're a healed person, there's no place for an enemy to land. You can't, when you're healed, when you're healed on the inside, you got right relationship with God, you got right relationship with man. This right here is clean. Your spirit's clean. You're not defiled. It's hard for the enemy to pass junk off on you. But when you get wounded, you get hurt, sometimes he comes with that whispering voice and it's soothing. And he's feeding on our, our, our hurts and our wounds. And we begin to listen to a voice that feels good to us because of the pain that we're in. And it, and it, but actually, it's poison. It's toxic. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can take that tastes really good but it's bad for you. I am a soda addict, okay? I am a recovering soda addict. I haven't had sugar soda in a very long time, but I still dream about it. <laughs> I forget who it was that was telling me, I think it was Lonnie, was telling me about he had a friend that worked for Dr. Pepper and how bad that stuff is for you. I love a soda. It tastes so good, the burn on your throat, and just it's just something wonderful about it. But it will wreak havoc on your body when you consume it on a regular basis. And uh, so the point that I'm making is that just because something tastes and feels good don't mean it's good. And the enemy doesn't come here with pitchforks and horns. He comes as an angel of light. He doesn't appear to you in a way that makes you go, oh, it's the devil. He comes in such a way that it doesn't look like the devil. It looks like God. It looks like righteousness. It looks like truth. 
He comes as an angel of light. That's what the Bible says, to deceive us. But the way we can not be deceived, I want to talk about that a little bit. So we're in a spiritual war. There's a physical war going on. There's a spiritual war. We are in physical war right now. We're in civil war. But, the, but the, we're in a spiritual war really is what's going on. And so the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're, you know, they're not carnal. And so the way that we have to fight is not going to be natural weapons. And we want to make sure that we're, that our battle is not just physical, because if you get into the physical war, you can get drawn out of your source of power. There's a way that we fight that's more powerful as believers. I'm not talking about the government. The government has a different mandate than an everyday Christian. I just want people to understand that. The Bible says that the government does not bear the sword for nothing, that he is an avenger on those who do evil. There is a different mandate given to government than everyday Christians, so don't mix up the Christian's daily call and the call of people that are operating in, in uh, governmental authority. You know, John the Baptist never rebuked a soldier for being a soldier. He said, just simply be content with your wages. He didn't rebuke them for being soldiers. There's people that are called to be soldiers. There's people that are called to be in government and to lead in government, and there are people who are called to bear the sword. So don't mix that up in what I'm saying. But we as believers are not meant to wage war in the natural realm unless that's our calling as a soldier or to be in the military. Our, our calling as everyday believers, we have access to more powerful weapons, more spiritual weapons that can do more damage. Our calling's higher calling. We're called to walk up here where angels trod, okay? That's where we're called. And I want to I live in that realm where all authority has been given to me, as Jesus said. And so the first thing that we have to do is to make sure that we're clean in here, we're not giving the enemy room. In Ephesians 4, I'm going to read some, some scripture here. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Okay, so we're talking about the unbelievers who are walking in darkness, and they're excluded from the life of God. The life of God, okay? So what, what is he talking about? Let's, let's keep going. So they're darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. So Paul's pointing out the way that we should walk as believers. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. There's that deceit again. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Okay, so staying in the truth. How do we stay in the truth? Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Here's a big key. You ready? Be angry, and yet do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from his mouth, but only such a word as is for the edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There's a comma here. Now, that wasn't there in the original, but it's there now, and it makes sense because of what I'm about to, what I'm about to read. Ready? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness... Everybody say bitterness. bitterness. And wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Okay, so the key to us walking in this light to having the life of God within us, not being given over in the way that the Lord has called us to walk. Part of that is having not, you know, we're not grieving the Holy Spirit whom we've been sealed. You know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit and it can affect your walk. Well, how do you do that? By allowing bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, malice, not being kind to one another, not being tenderhearted, not forgiving one another just as God and Christ has also forgiven us. Go back a few verses where, where he started talking about this. He said, be angry and, let you, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. That word opportunity, actually, literally in the Greek, it means a place or a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. What does that mean? Well, if you're climbing a mountain and you find a foothold, you have a place that you can lift up on. You can put your weight down on it. It gives, the, it gives you an opportunity to set up camp, if you will. It gives you an opportunity to stand in something. And what happens is, is when we allow anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, we open ourselves up and give the devil actually a foothold in our life. We're opening a door to allow the enemy into our life. Y'all understand that? When you allow unforgiveness, bitterness, uh, all of that kind of stuff, you're opening a door and you're giving the devil, you are giving the devil access to your life. It's scary. That's a scary thing. Who wants to open themselves up so the devil can have a, a way into their life? Anybody want to sign up for that? The scriptures tell us that if we do this one thing, we're giving the devil an open door. You know, life's hard enough. I don't want to give the devil no open door in my life. All right, so here's the deal. But we got to keep these doors closed. Let's turn over to Matthew 18. This is Christianity 101, what we're about to talk about. Christianity 101, this is the beginning of Christianity. You know, you should get this. We need to get this on the number one, you know, pretty much right as you come to the Lord, you need to get this. Because if you do this one thing, it's going to help you a whole lot, and you're going to be, you're going to be able to stay clean. We don't want to give the devil an open door into our lives. We want to keep that door shut and practice Christianity 101. So here's what it says, Matthew 18. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one 
who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him and saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what, he, what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what, he had ha- what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Okay, I want to look at a couple things in this passage. First thing we need to look at is... And most of you know this, but it says that when he began to settle accounts, he owed him 10,000 talents. That is a lot of money. It's more money than that slave could ever repay. I don't even know how he got into that much debt in the natural. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more debt than this man would ever make in his whole entire life. And yet he's, he's falling down and saying, be patient and I will repay You know, we can never, ever, ever repay the Lord back for all the sins that we have committed against him. Never. It is impossible. We could never, ever work our way. And Jesus used that amount of money to show that. There's no way. Anybody that understands that money in that time period understood that there was no way that slave could repay him. That was an insane statement that the guy made. Be patient with me and I will repay you. He couldn't repay him. None of us can repay the Lord for the forgiveness that he gives us. The debt that we owe is too great. And so the second thing, you go back down and you look at the money that the other slave owed the fellow slave. It was like a day's wages. Not good, but he owed him something. He really owed him something. But this man was about to be sold into slavery, which is us. We were sold into slavery. But God redeemed us. He forgave us of our sin. Everything that we have ever done or will ever do is covered under the blood of Jesus when we put faith in him. When we look to him and what he did at the cross, all of our past, present, and future sins are forgiven. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, we can live in sin. That's not at all true at all. But what I'm saying is, is that the punishment that enabled us to be free from our sins and to be forgiven of our sins has been paid for one time and for all when Jesus died on the cross for us and we have access to that forgiveness when we fall and we turn to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me, I messed up. It's done. So I know that no matter what I do in the future, if I am truly repentant and turn to the Lord, it's forgiven. Confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive you in sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we confess it, it's done. But what we have here is a slave that received the most incredible debt cancellation that anyone has ever received, and he turns around and he begins to choke his fellow slave because he would not forgive him of of just a day's wages. That is hypocrisy on the highest level. Y'all hear that? 
That is the same thing when any of us hold anything against anyone, period. I don't care what they did. In this life, there is no comparison to what people can do to us and what God has done for us. Our debt has been wiped out. We're future livers. We, we're, when you get born again, you're, you know that you have an eternal realm where everything's gonna be wonderful. I don't care what they took from you. They can't take it from your eternal destination. It's there, waiting. No one can steal from you, really. Only thing they can do is take from you temporarily, but it immediately goes to your future. Immediately. And so when we begin to hold on to petty losses in this life, it shows us that we're, we're ground dwellers with our mind looking at this life and our hearts not set on eternity. If someone comes in and, and kills our family or they do horrible things, that will hurt. That will be painful. I will need God's grace to get through that. But you know what? If I'm living and I'm turning to him, and I'm looking to him, he will empower me to live from that place where I know that they can't be taken because they're mine forever. That's why Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where thief breaks in and moth destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where no man can steal it. Our treasure is in heaven. Nothing that he gives me in this life will be taken away permanently. And when I live from there, it helps me. But I want us to know that if we're holding on to bitterness, to offense, to unforgiveness, you are not giving, you're, you're living in hypocrisy. You're asking God to forgive you of something that you're not willing to give to other people. The Bible says freely you have received, freely give. If we have freely received forgiveness of sins, then we are in the greatest sin when we hold back forgiveness to other people. We are in great sin to our Father who has paid such a price and let go of our sins when we don't release that to other people. Y'all hear that? Y'all, you with me? It is a big deal to God. Such a big deal that this is what the Lord said. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Why'd he put that in there? This guy was thrown over. He didn't just go to prison. He didn't just sold, he was, he was turned over to tormentors, torturers. What does that mean? What is the Lord saying? When you don't forgive, you have now been given, the enemy has been given access to your life to torment you, to torture you. God doesn't want that for you. But when you live in the hypocrisy of unforgiveness, it opens, it's, you remember how Satan, when he was cursed, that serpent in the garden, he said, the, the dust of the earth shall be your food. What was man made out of? The dust of the earth. See, the carnal nature, the fallen Adamic nature, the sin nature is Satan's food. It's his rightful food. You know, when Satan came to get Peter, he came to him and he demanded permission to sift Peter like wheat. You know, there's certain things that Satan has rights to, legal rights. And the way that we can keep these doors shut where he has no legal rights is by not allowing unforgiveness, bitterness, um, criticism. These things are the Satan's food. 
and they open us up for him to have access to our lives that he otherwise wouldn't have access to. Does that make sense? Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan. Got somebody in here helping me. Uh, So, you know, the most tormented people on the earth, you know who they are? You ever seen people that are bitter? They always point the finger at somebody else. They're always unhappy about something. They're tormented. They're miserable creatures. Why? They've been turned over to the tormentor. You will have no peace, no happiness, no joy, no nothing as long as you're holding on to that stuff, that junk, what somebody did to me, what somebody did here, what somebody did 10 years ago. You're holding on to that garbage and it's poisoning you and it's making you a miserable person and the enemy has been given access to your life to torment you. And he's going to stay there, and you're not going to be able to drive him out with all in the name of Jesus. You get out of here, it ain't going to work. He's got legal right when we hold on to unforgiveness. And this is so key in this time, and I'm going to tie this in with what I talked about in the beginning. This right here is Christianity 101. We have to get this right. As a believer, you can't freely receive forgiveness and then go ahead and hold other people for their faults and mistakes they've made. I've hurt so many people in my life. Mainly unintentional. But there's times I've done it intentionally. I'm an evil creature outside of Christ Jesus. Paul in Romans 7 makes it clear sin dwelling in us is wickedness. We are wicked and we need Jesus to set us free from who we are. But when we got born again, now the spirit of God is inside of us. We're a new creation. We don't have to live according to the old Adam. We don't have to live according to the flesh. We can live in the newness of life by living in the spirit. But do we always? No, that's why we need, you know, John wrote in 1 John, he says, I write this to you that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father. See, John says we don't have to sin anymore, but he knew we would sin. And when we do, we have an advocate with the Father. He's, God has given a way to help our weakness. But if we're weak, how dare us demand strength in other people? It is wrong, it is sinful to demand perfect. So when people hurt us, even intentionally, you know when Jesus hung on a cross, what did he say? These people were crucifying him. And he said, forgive them, they know not what they do. Do you, who do you think speaking truth? Jesus. If anybody's speaking truth is Jesus. When people hurt us, they don't know what they're doing, even when they think they do. So to sit there and say, oh, they know what they're doing, they're being this, this, that, we don't understand that these people are bound by the enemy. The scripture talks about that. It says that, we've, that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but we're principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. These people are being blinded by the enemy when they do things against us. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. And so we have to learn how to forgive people and to love people. You know, Jesus truly loved his enemies. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How could he say that? Was that just one of those things? Well, you say it, and we need to like grin and bear it, you know, because Jesus said it, but, you know, I'm going, okay, I love you, brother. No, Jesus isn't like that. He actually loves those people. He died on the cross loving the people that were crucifying. And there is no way we can do that except for he lives in us. We have access to him. He can help us. 
He wants to help us. He's calling us to a supernatural life that's so supernatural that there's no way we can pull it off except for him. (laughs) What he's calling us to, the life, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, that Jesus actually superseded the law. The law set one standard and Jesus took it higher. Why did he do that? Because in him it's possible. Outside of him it's impossible. We need him. All right, let's look over. Well, just let me read this, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is real quick, saying the exact same thing. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, and he says, you know, lead us not in temptation, deliver us from evil and all that stuff. He says, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And he says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Jesus is not a liar. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. That's not me saying it. That's the Bible saying it. That's Jesus saying it. When we don't forgive people, we're cutting off the grace of God in our life. When you don't forgive people, you're drinking poison and and looking at them, waiting for them to die. It doesn't happen that way. You die. When you don't forgive, you're cutting off the grace of God and the forgiveness of God in your own life. It's that serious. And I'm beating it hard because this is serious. If we don't get this down, it'll, it'll kill us. This is the, one of the biggest traps that the enemy lays for believers is this one thing. And we got to get this right. I want to go on and talk about spiritual gifts and, and prophecy and healing and, and all this stuff. But if we, don't get, if we can't get this right, that stuff's useless. It's useless. We have got to get free from this. Hebrews 12 Verse 15. Well, let's do verse 14. Pursue peace with all men. That's, a, that's what we want to do. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So being sanctified, set apart holy. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. To me, it's interesting because these verses are tied. So when I read this next verse 15, remember what verse 14 said. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And then this next verse is him expounding on that. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. How can we come short of God's grace? His grace is greater than everything. It's unlimitless. There's no end to his grace. How in the world can we come short of it? That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. When we're bitter... You know how bitterness happens? Bitterness is not just an instantaneous thing. Bitterness happens as you get a little hurt, you get a little cut on you, and it begins to not be healed, and it begins to fester, and it begins to go over and over, and the next thing you know, it grows into bitterness, and once you've become bitter, man, you're in trouble because you have now... What this scripture says, it says that see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that this root of business spring up causing trouble, it will cause trouble. Unhealed wounds are so important. Remember how I talked about that at the beginning? Unhealed wounds is how the enemy takes us captive. When you get hurt, and all of us are going to get hurt, every single one of us is going to get hurt by probably someone sitting next to you. I mean, I've been married for 24 years. We've been together 29 years. We've hurt each other, and we love each other. But it just happens. Everybody hurts everybody. We're, we're imperfect. 
And when you do, you have to learn how to get healed. Because if you don't get healed, you'll go around limping, and that limp's going to turn into something worse. And this is how you get healed. You go to the Lord, and you say, Lord, that hurt. That hurt real bad. Would you heal me? And Lord, would you forgive so-and-so? They didn't know what they were doing. And Lord, I forgive them. And Lord, I, I pray for them. Lord, help them. Help them grow beyond that. Lord, just like I need to grow beyond areas where I come short. Lord, would you help that person? And Lord, just cause me to love them the way you love them. And let not me take this, this hurt that they caused me and let allow that to affect my love for them because your love for them hadn't changed. You love them just like I love my children. You love them. And no matter what they do, you're still going to love them because they're your children. And so, Lord, I want to have that heart for them. And I don't want my own personal pain to affect me to see people differently than the way you see them. So, Lord, help me right now. Heal me. You know what happens when you do that? You get healed. <laughs> you start doing those kind of things, you're not going to stay wounded. And when, if it's still hurting, keep going to him until it's gone. I've been hurt a lot in my life, but I get healed quick. You know why? Because I'm honest about it, and I go and I deal with it. I take it to Jesus. I don't, I don't let it linger. One of the worst things you can do to, to, to have this stuff linger in your life is hitting replay. You know, we take out these video cameras of our mind, and we replay these things that people have done to us. You're an idiot if you're doing that. You are, because it hurt bad enough the first time. What do you think is going to happen every time you watch it again? It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt again. You can't get healed replaying wrongs done in your mind. You know that Jesus does not remember the wrong that we've done once we've repented of it? It says as it's washed away as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? No matter how far east you go, it's always east. No matter how far west you go, it's always west. You never get to east. He didn't say as far as north is from south, because if you go north far enough, you're going south. He said as far as the east is from the west, you'll never connect them. When Jesus forgives you, it is done. It is forgot about. He will never bring it up again. He doesn't even remember it at all, ever. That's what he expects of us to give to one another. Don't replay wrongs in your mind. It leads, it, you're, you're, it's devil's fodder. It's the devil's fodder. Let it go. Now, that's not easy. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm just saying we got to do it. We have got to do it. Don't replay these images in our mind. Because if we do, it's going to lead to bitterness. And you know what the bitterness does? It cuts us off from the grace of God. I need the grace of God in my life. I will not stand without the grace of God. I will never stand without the grace of God. I need his grace. I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. I can't do it except for the grace of God. It's his grace in my life that empowers me to be more than I am. It's his grace of God in my life that causes me to walk the way he would cause me to walk. And if I allow unforgiveness, bitterness, pointing to the finger, speaking wickedness, it actually cuts that grace out of my life, and now I'm just me, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> Isaiah 58 is an incredible passage. I encourage you to look at it. I'm not going to turn there, but 
it talks about the reason why we're not healed. And you know why, what it says? It says if you remove, that's right, if you remove the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. You know, we do that as believers. We're constantly pointing the finger at what other people are doing wrong. And you know, Paul said you should never judge another man's servant. Don't judge another man's servant. Let him judge. Paul said he didn't even judge himself. He leaves God to judge him. You know, we don't need to be pointing the finger and speaking wickedness. It actually cuts off the healing in our life. I told this story before, but one time I had made a really critical, I had a critical thought and judgment that I spoke out to my sister. And I did not realize it, really. I didn't even realize what was going on. All I know was that one day my jaw started hurting and it started locking up and it was bad. And I'm like, Lord, what in the heck is this? And I kept praying and quoting the word and thanking God for my healing and nothing was happening. It was getting worse and worse. And finally, I'm like, Lord, what is the deal? And he said, repent. That's all I heard him say. I didn't even know what to repent of. But I'm driving down the road and I said, Lord, I repent. Whatever I'm doing that's wrong, I'm sorry. Show me what it is because you're right and I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And then the next thing I knew, it was spewing out of me. Lord, I'm sorry for what I said, such and such, such and such. Didn't even know it was there. But I realized it like in that minute, revelation came and I remembered what I had said and the judgment I had put off because of a struggle that she had had that I began to judge her in it, began to say, began to judge her for it. And I was cutting the grace off of God out of my life because of my own judgment, because I, she wasn't walking where I was walking. That's what in my mind, but I was wrong. I was wrong, and I was in sin, and I repented of it. And then I called and confessed my sin. And I called, and I said, now pray for me. And literally, after I repented, confessed it, repented of judging someone else for what I thought they should be walking in, and repented of that, and had my, I think I had my wife pray for me if I remember the story correctly. I started feeling my jaw unlock. And then the next, by the next day, it was totally healed. And it blew me away. Not only did I get to practice what the Bible actually says, but it taught me a valuable lesson about not judging other people. You will fall into the very sins that you judge other people for. Because you're cutting off the grace of God in your life. You're saying, I'm better than them. How dare them not be as good as me? Look at what they're struggling with. Golly. I did this, I've done this numerous times in my life, and then I would find myself struggling with the very thing they, that I was judging them over. And it makes you do a, a, a quick check, like, oh, Lord, I don't want to struggle with this no more. Father, give them grace, God. I don't, Lord, Father, help them. Give them grace. I, Lord, please help them, Lord. Give them grace, because I need it right? We need God's grace, and you're not going to have it if you're judging one another. We have to remove the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. And this just kind of ties it all together, and then I want you to wrap this up. Colossians 3, verse 12, if we needed it to be any clearer, let's, this, I think this is pretty clear. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Okay? That's the type of people we'll be. Now he takes it even further. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, 
just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So he, he takes it right down to even a complaint. Are we complaining about one another? Got to cut it out. Got to cut it out. It'll kill us. It'll kill us. It will absolutely kill us. We can't do it. We got to get free from that. So I want us to, um, let me just do this now. If you feel like this is talking to you, just stand up. I'm going to just say it. Stand up. If if this is talking to you, stand up. All right. The reason I say that is because God gives his grace to the humble. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed. None of us are going to make it without being humble without acknowledging our sin one to another. And, and just that step of humility to, to stand up in front of a group of people and say, look, I'm struggling with this. You know, being honest with our struggle is how we get free. And so, Lord, we see us. And Father, I'm standing up too. Lord, we're asking for grace to get free from this stuff because this is Adamic. This is that fallen nature, that fodder food that we were born into. But Lord, we've been born again, so now we've been born out of it. And so Lord, I'm asking for grace now in our lives. And Lord, we repent. And just tell him yourself in your own heart, you know, tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I am sorry for judging people who are struggling. I'm sorry for holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. I am sorry, Lord. Forgive me. And Lord, right now, I forgive so and so. I forgive them, Lord. I don't care what I feel. I'm saying, Lord, I want you to forgive them, and I forgive them by faith right now. And I ask that you move in their life and that you draw them closer to you and that you even bless them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, help us to walk in this grace and to not allow the enemy a room into our lives. If you need a second, just take a second and give him all that stuff. Just give it to him. Just gonna be quiet a minute, and let you just do what you gotta do. Just let's just take a minute and just talk to the Lord. You'll start feeling the weights come off. <laughs> You'll start feeling those weights come off. You start letting people free, and now you can be free. You can't hold anybody as a slave and expect not to be a slave yourself. You start letting people go free, and then you get free. You got to forgive your fathers. You got to forgive your mothers. You got to forgive them. They're unf- they're, they were, they're human, just like us. A lot of the generational curses are, are rooted in, and I'm saying this by the Spirit, because I, I don't know, understand this, but a lot of generational curses are rooted and our unforgiveness or our judgments against our own parents. You got to let them free, set them free. In many cases, our fathers and our mothers had terrible fathers and mothers who had terrible fathers and mothers who had terrible fathers and mothers. And the curse continues until someone stands up and says, no more, I forgive. I hold them guilty. Jesus said an incredible statement that I, that I still, it's hard to understand, but he said it after he resurrected and he breathed on them and he, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, if you withhold people's sins, they're withheld. And if you forgive them, they're forgiven. 
I don't even totally understand that, but we have to forgive. We have to let go. So you're getting the freedoms coming now in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for that freedom, and we just release freedom on other people now. We hold no man guilty of any wrong done to them. We let them go in Jesus' name. We might, they might have owed us something, but we let them go. We let go that debt that they owe us, Lord God. And we thank you for the debt that you've let us go of. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Just give me one more second. I just want to just wrap, just tie this in real quick to what I started with. You know, that's, a, that's Christianity 101 message. It's always true no matter what we're going in, but right now, in the environment that we're living in, it's going to be key because we're having to fight against people who are bent on destroying our country, destroy our way of life, speaking truth, trading out truth for lies, spewing it, doing wicked things in back rooms. We are in an incredible war in this country. And you know what? It's going to be really easy to start hating those people. It's going to be really easy to feel like they're our enemies. But you know, one of the amazing things that Abraham Lincoln did during the Civil War was he never demonized the South. And he could have generated a lot of support by doing so. If he would have demonized them, it would have rallied support, and they probably would have won the war a lot faster. But he refused to demonize the South because he knew that at the end of the war, there would have to be a reunification. The very thing they were fighting for was for the Union. He realized he wasn't just fighting for a union of nation, but he was actually fighting for brothers. And you know, there's a lot of people on the other side who have been taken captive by the enemy, but they're still our brothers. They're deceived, they're wounded, they're hurt, they've been taken captive, but we're fighting for them as much as we are fighting against them. We have to speak the truth in love, we have to stand against the lies, we have to tell the truth, we have to stand up and be counted. God forbid, I pray it doesn't lead to something worse, but we have got to remember that in all this, we are never fighting against flesh and blood. And we have to stay alert in prayer and praying because if you're not, you're gonna easily get sucked into the natural fight thinking that you're fighting against people and you never are. You're not fighting against people. We're fighting against principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places that have blinded these people. We're fighting right now in this country a, um, on so many fronts, but sex trafficking is getting dealt with in our country. Pedophilia is getting dealt with. You know what? God still loves those pedophilias, the people that are pedophiles. He loves pedophiles. He loves them. He loves people who have done horrendous things, and a lot of them will come to the Lord, and we'll have to deal with that because he forgives anything that's repented of. If a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such to one in a spirit of meekness, looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. We have got to realize that the God is a big God who has a lot of mercy. He saves murderers. He saves rapists. He saves slaveholders. You know, one of my ancestors was a man, and then my, went, my mind went blank, um, his last name was Newton, and it wasn't Isaac. It was uh, <laughs> um, 
John Newton. He was a he was a slave trader. But you know what happened? He got born again. And he began to resist. He began to change. His heart began to change. And when he was coming over on those ships, he would hear the African slaves moan and and their moans were actually in songs. And he and there was a particular moaning and a and a and a groaning and a singing and a that was that went out that stuck with him. It sounded a little something like this. We all know that, right? We all know that because a man who was a wicked, evil slave trader took an African sound when he got born again, saved, became a new creation, his sin was wiped away, he turned that into that amazing grace. So now the song of the slave and the song of, a, of a, another kind of slave, both were used to bring forth the most popular song probably ever written in a, that, that Americans sing for sure, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. What an amazing grace we've been given. God saves wicked people. And I just want to say for the sake of people who are watching, if you've never called on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he loves you, he died for you, and you can be born again, you can become a citizen of heaven, it doesn't matter what you did, if you will come to the cross and ask for forgiveness, and repent and acknowledge your sin. He will forgive you and wash away your sin and you will become a new creation. You will be brand new. As he, as this is that good. It's the good news that if you turn to Jesus, you can live and you know that heaven will be your home and actually heaven becomes your home and it comes to live inside of you when you call on him and everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that right now, you can lay aside your old life and become a new creation just by calling on Jesus, accepting what he did on the cross and by faith putting your trust in him. So if you've not done that, please do it. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And oh, we need him. Oh, we need you, Lord Jesus. We need you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we need you, and we love you, and we praise you, and we honor you, Lord. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, help our country. Help our country, Lord. We declare freedom over our country in Jesus' name. We declare breakthrough over our country in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.